1: Welcome to On The Rock, God's Unchanging Word for Changing Times with Dr. Camille Majdeli, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's Word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On the Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
0: It is called the most famous sermon in the world, and for good reason. In today's program, we begin to examine the Sermon on the Mount. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And here, friends, we begin to explore the Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon in the world, given by Jesus on a Galilean mountaintop, and even now, this sermon still reverberates 2,000 years later. We're going to be looking at the Beatitudes, which are found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Now, this is, of course, the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, and chapter 5 is entitled the entire chapter Sermon on the Mount Introduction. And so, let's begin with a couple of Beatitudes, verses 3 and 4 of Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. First of all, let's remember, what, where is Jesus? He's not in the narrow passageways of Jerusalem. He is not in the spacious Temple Mount area, which was apparently the largest public space in the ancient world. And there it was in Jerusalem. Now he wasn't there. He was in the great outdoors in Galilee. Stunning view of the mountains, the plain of Gennesaret, of course, the Sea of Galilee, which is always a picture postcard every single day. And in that setting, he gave this sermon. Beatitudes have to do with blessing. Blessed are people who fulfill this condition or do this action for your information. Did you know that in the book of revelation, there are seven beatitudes and you can easily recognize them because it says blessed is he that does this or that or the other. I think the first one is found in revelation one, three blessed is he who reads and basically heeds the words of this prophecy because the time is at hand here. In the Gospel of Matthew, we have Beatitudes for the poor in spirit, and we'll learn a little bit more what that is in a moment. A Beatitude for people who are in mourning. A Beatitude for the meek. A Beatitude for people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. A Beatitude for merciful people. And let me tell you, if you're going to err on any side, Err on the side of mercy rather than on the side of being judgmental. Any day, be merciful because the fact is, as I will share later, if you are merciful now to others, then when you need mercy, you are going to have it. There is a beatitude for those that are pure in heart, a beatitude for peacemakers, and beatitude for those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What we'll see is, first of all, there is a beatitude for the poor in spirit. Who are they? These are people who are acutely aware of their spiritual poverty and wretchedness. They would resonate with the world's most famous and beloved of all hymns that says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. That's the voice of the poor in spirit. They don't try to say, I'm a wonderful person with a few little quirks. No, they call themselves a wretch, because they know that without God's grace, amazing grace, they would be stuck in sin and death, like a pothole, like a ditch, like a cistern, as Jeremiah was stuck in a cistern. They, are, they know that without God's grace, they are stuck in the ditch, in the dark, in the dirt, And there's no way out, apart from God. They are totally against the tenor of this world, which is so full of arrogance, pride, and narcissism. These people are incredibly honest. They know, and in their humility, they say, I'm a sinner, I need sovereign grace. And to such people, Jesus says, you are blessed. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's now time to read all the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five verses one to twelve. This is the sermon on the mount Matthew five, one to twelve. Let's listen really carefully, friends. This is God's glorious word. And seeing the multitudes he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Our lesson is called, Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. First of all, the setting here. The multitudes gathered by the Sea of Galilee to hear Jesus. He went up into the mountain and took his place. He had a seat. And then the disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to give this, as I've called it, the most famous sermon in the world. The traditional location of this event is known today for, to Christian pilgrims as the Mount of Beatitudes, with a beautiful chapel built or designed by Antonio Barluzzi, with a commanding view of the Sea of Galilee, the Plain of Gennesaret, the Horns of Hittin, the Mountains of Golan. It's an amazing, wonderful place, and well, well landscaped, I might add. So he starts with the poor in spirit, and we've already looked at what that means, people who are acutely aware of their spiritual poverty and wretchedness. Jesus says to such people, you are blessed. Yours is the kingdom of heaven, not to the arrogant, the assertive, and the ambitious, but to the poor in spirit. Twice in the New Testament, in James 4, verse 6, and 1 Peter 5, verse 5, It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This grace leads to a kingdom that has no end. That's why, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then we have, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Now this verse can apply to two categories of people. Those people who are mourning because of their sin, and after all, We should mourn when we have sinned, and we should mourn when others have sinned, and we should mourn when our society sins. Actually, far from being a wretched condition, it's an honorable thing to mourn. We see things happening in society where, let's be honest, they're going from bad to worse. Now, there's some good things happening too, and we'll give credit where it's due, but there are some pretty evil things as well. We should mourn as if we ourselves had committed that sin, even though we may not have personally done it. But that's part of the people we're with. We love those people, but we don't love what they stand for. We should be mourning. We should be mourning. Just as it says in Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. If we'll do that, God will forgive our sins. He will heal our land. That's one mourning. And of course, that's related to the poor in spirit. The second mourning, of course, is if you've lost a loved one. Now, the promise of Christ is that those who humble themselves through humility shall be blessed with God's priceless comfort. God says you shall be comforted when you mourn. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3-5, He is the God of all comfort. He is especially close to those that are humble, who are mourning due to sin or mourning due to loss. And I want to say personally That I have seen the comfort of God work in my own life when some dear loved ones passed on, you know, they're getting on in age, and they finally did. And I want to say, when that when the dreaded day happened, there was so much grace, there was so much peace. And yes, it helped that these people had died in Christ, but I also have to say, they only came to Christ in the last years of their life. So there was a time when they weren't in Christ, and it really was touch and go. God's comfort was there. And if you have a loved one that didn't die in Christ or you're not sure, I still believe you will have comfort if you will follow God and mourn the way he wants. He goes on in verse 5 of Matthew 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall do what? We'll find out in a moment. Now, this word meek can be easily confused for weak. But let me tell you, meekness is not weakness. The meek are people of grace, strength, they are quiet and gentle, they do not contend, they do not fight for their rights or entitlements, and they don't become easily provoked. They learn to patiently and maturely wait on God rather than impetuously taking matters into their own hands. As it says in Psalm 37 verse 9, it talks about the meek. They basically lean on the grace of God and keep doing what God has told them to do rather than get involved and ensnared by the affairs of this world. Instead, they look to God and trust God in everything, including for vindication, including for victory, including for provision, whereby His grace helps them to acquire that which eludes the assertive, the ambitious, and the arrogant. The meek, it says, shall inherit the earth. That's Psalm 37, verse 11, and of course, Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Remember, how does the meek inherit the earth? Because, of course, they are partnering with God, and through God, they get the inheritance that eludes the worldly wise. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, because in a perverse and ungodly world, Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they see God's pristine standards manifest on earth, and they will not be disappointed. Indeed, they shall be filled. Now, the great Bible commentator Adam Clark said in yesteryear, How frequent do we find the insatiable hunger after honor, a thirst for virtue, thirst for fame, and such alike. Righteousness here is taken for all the blessings of the new covenant, all the graces of Messiah's kingdom, a full restoration of the image of God. Sounds like a good deal to me. And then we get to being pure in heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. This quality shall stand in stark contrast to the religious elite, both of Jesus' day and ours, because the religious elite were outwardly clean and did all kinds of ritual washings and purification and religious works. Inwardly, however, the religious elite were full of envy, hatred, greed, and corruption. I mean, these are the people that decided they didn't like Jesus, so let's kill him. Now, God wants purity in heart as well as clean hands. That's what it says in Psalm 24, verse 4. Now, the meeting with the Lord face-to-face, usually after this natural life, is that we want to enter into His holy place. You see, the pure in heart are going to see God. And we're going to see God in the life to come, for sure. And Job makes amazing observation. This is the suffering man. Job, in chapter 19, verse 26... He says, after though my skin, worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Let me repeat that. And though after my skin, worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. So he's speaking of a future resurrection, a glorified body, and an audience with the Lord. Blessed are the peacemakers. Matthew 5 verse 9, in a world of conflict, strife, and discord, as well as the breakdown of interpersonal relations, the peacemaker, out of their own experience of being reconciled to God, seek to reconcile warring parties with each other. Yes, they can be diplomats representing the nation and bring peace. It also speaks of the spiritually mature that bring peace and reconciliation between estranged parties. God has made us his ambassadors, according to 2 Corinthians 5.20, who possess the ministry of reconciliation. That's verse 18. And what is the blessing to the peacemakers? They shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers are members of God's own household. And then we have the final beatitude about those that are persecuted for righteousness. Now, please make sure if you're being persecuted, and I know this sounds flippant, I don't mean it to be, make sure you are persecuted for righteousness sake and not for silliness sake. Some people are persecuted because of their own folly. They bring it on themselves. Well, that's you no, know, you get no credit from anyone, least of all from God. You're basically reaping what you sow. But when you are being righteous and persecuted, far from being tormented, you are actually called blessed by the Lord himself. Because in an increasingly post-Christian society, which is becoming hostile to biblical Christianity, the chances of persecution of the righteous actually increase. Now, this persecution is seen as such things as being reviled, insulted, spoken evil of, spoken falsely of, and there's plenty of that out there, and persecuted for Jesus' sake. The Lord says this is not a curse that you're experiencing these things. It is a blessing. (laughs) What is the blessing? Well, first of all, it shows that the persecuted belong to an unshakable, everlasting, ever-righteous, eternal kingdom of heaven. The second blessing, when you're persecuted for righteousness, is that you are in good company, because the righteous and the holy prophets experienced exactly the same thing. So with this in mind our lesson is called the sermon on the mount the beatitudes what is our lesson for life if everyone could live by the principles of the beatitudes it would be like the kingdom of heaven on earth here and now remember to visit us at our facebook page teach all nations education or teach all nations dr dr.magdally and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage at tan, T-A-N, dot dot AU and subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter that aims to give you future-ready, value-added content with articles from the Bible, victorious Christian living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Beatitudes, beloved even by non-Christians. Help us to put these into practice, knowing that it's only by your grace that we can fulfill any and all of this, and it's by your grace
1: that we can live a God-pleasing life. In Jesus' wonderful name,